0: Hello Writing Life listeners. My name is Vicky and I'm the Programme Officer at National Centre for Writing, based in Norwich, England's first UNESCO City of Literature. We're super excited to announce the launch of NCW Academy, our brand new home for creative writers at all stages of their writing journey. Whether you're just starting out putting pen to paper or you're an experienced writer looking to take the next steps in your career, we can offer courses, workshops, mentoring, and a huge library of free resources that will support you to achieve your writing goals. As an added bonus, throughout August, we're running a special discount offer for anyone who books onto one of our online tutored writing courses, designed in partnership with the University of East Anglia. While there are many online courses available to you across the world, ours are unique in offering one-to-one feedback on up to six assignments directly from your course tutor, plus expert resources developed by award-winning writers and industry experts. All you need to do is enter the code ACADEMY10 during checkout. That's all caps, ACADEMY, and then the number 10, during checkout. Visit nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash academy to find out more and to explore all of the courses and resources on offer. Your writing life starts here
1: with NCW Academy. Welcome to The Writing Life, the podcast for anyone who writes. I'm Steph McKenna from the National Centre for Writing here at Dragon Hall in Norwich, UNESCO City of Literature. It's August 2023 and in this episode I'm here to bring you a brilliant conversation with writer, editor and workshop leader Katie Massey on the topic of writing real people in memoir. Katie's memoir, Are We Home Yet?, was published in 2020 and praised by Bernadine Ivaristo as a gem. It was shortlisted for the Jalak Prize and the Portico Prize. In addition, her fiction and nonfiction has been widely anthologised, including Common People, edited by Kit Duvall from Unbound, The Place for Me, published by Scholastic, and upcoming speculative collection Glimpse from Peapal Tree Press. Katie recently created a self paced online writing course for NCW Academy, all about how to write real people in memoir. In this short course, she provides the tools for you to think of yourself as the main character in your story, to create distinct voices in your narrative, to explore the role of setting as a character, to discover the difference between memory, truth and perspective, and to learn to distance yourself from your writing in order to craft your narrative. She also delves into the ethics of writing real people, including issues around giving offence and when the detail you provide is enough. Katie's self-paced online course is available for you to purchase and study in your own time from nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash academy. If you'd like a taster of the knowledge and advice that Katie imparts through her online course, this is the episode for you. Katie had a wide-ranging conversation on writing real characters, as well as writing memoir more generally, with my colleague Vicky Maitland a few weeks ago. So strap in and enjoy an insightful conversation between Katie and Vicky.
0: Hi Katie, thank you for joining us today. Um, So today we're going to be talking about writing real people with a focus on writing memoir um, because Katie you have developed a brilliant self-study course on this topic for us Um, and what I think is uh, interesting as well is how the concepts you illustrate in the course can also be applied to other forms of creative non-fiction, I'm thinking specifically of biography, um, as well as even historical fiction, writing or autofiction based Basically anywhere where a writer is writing about real people and real lives. Um, so I've gone back through your brilliant course um, and I've pulled out just a couple of key lessons to, dis- um, to discuss here that we I hope we could delve into in a bit more a bit more detail today. Okay. Um, so one of the first things that you um, talk about in your course is a character and understanding character. Um, And kind of what I thought was really interesting is the second that you start writing, uh, the people in your memoir, in your story, become characters on the page. Um, And so I was just wondering how difficult or conversely, how easy it was for you to stop thinking of the real people in your memoir as real people and instead think of them as characters.
2: Okay, so I would say that art is about distancing the artist from the subject matter partly um it's it's the difference between testimony or even therapy and producing a piece of work that's going to be interesting entertaining and hopefully enlightening for a reader so it's about bringing those um questions to bear on the work after it's written in draft that's it, in draft, so redrafting, redrafting, and trying to get a bit of distance from it, but also asking other people to read. Beta readers are really, really helpful because they will say, oh, but you haven't said what this person looks like, or when in time is this happening? They will notice the things that are so obvious to you, you forget to put
0: them down. Is that something that especially I'm thinking of the redrafting process in order to create distance, is that something that came quite naturally to you or was it something that you really had to work on um, thinking back to early drafts of your your memoir?
2: Um, my memoir was my PhD thesis. So as I um, went through the process of studying, I did a critical piece of work as well um, alongside it. And my critical piece of work was looking at why so few mixed race mixed race lives um had been recorded now i finished that about 12 years ago and the situation has changed so much since then now there are many non white memoirs um not that many not as many as you might think from looking at twitter and the like but there are there are more um, versions of our life story so at the time when I was writing I was very aware that things had to be written down I wanted to get things down that hadn't been written down before so yes I suppose I had a, I brought a purpose to it that, that was beyond just telling my story.
0: And do you think that kind of broader framing um, is key kind of for creating that distance but also just to kind of in terms of placing your memoir more, more generally?
2: Yeah, I think it really helps. I mean, I I talk about story in the course as well. And I talk about focusing on why, what your purpose is. Um, A statement of intention is really handy, actually. Um, Even if it's only, you know, so other people um, learn the lessons of trauma or so other people understand the stories of whatever your subject matter is Um, but that uh, purposely giving yourself a reason to be writing things down is really really helpful I think Um, it turns it from a sort of meandering process into into a sort of project
0: yeah yeah totally Um, and I was wondering how you apply that kind of way of thinking because obviously memoir is, is so personal how you apply that way of thinking about yourself in the memoir. So I know that you, in your course, you mentioned the I voice and how that I voice also becomes a character. Um, How I can imagine that kind of creating that distance from the you in the memoir to the you who's writing the memoir could be quite challenging.
2: It is, but all literature, I I think of it as a guiding intelligence. So even a a novel that has an omniscient narrator that isn't a character um, does have a guiding intelligence. uh, There is a voice there. There is a um, somebody, a presence, if you like, in the text. Um, whether that's over or covert, so it's about being aware of the persona that you want to project, and that might change if it's a long form, so over sixty 000 to eighty thousand words, that voice might well change depending on the events that are being depicted so it is um yeah it's, I, I it's a, it, it's a way of thinking about it that hopefully isn't too directional that doesn't close down possibilities but opens them up
0: yeah um and Um, thinking about kind of that intent and that that purpose Um, I'm just interested for how you can navigate um, kind of the creation of characters whilst also maintaining the authenticity of those characters maintaining the authenticity of those voices and maintaining the authenticity of that I voice that narrator voice
2: so so by authenticity you're talking about being convincing
0: convincing and also um about being kind of genuine or maybe even honest to the okay. to the story yeah
2: okay so that they're, they're they're sort of that's it's mixing up to me uh, internal and external processes I would hope that everybody who writes a memoir has an ethical attachment to presenting the truth yeah um I would hope that was the case but I can't possibly know that because I can't see into the writers I teach and the the writers that will do this course, I can't see into their hearts. So And I hope that 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 attachment to presenting the truth means that a reader will buy into their um, truthfulness, if you like, their candor. Um, But I would say that this this is a kind of a difference between auto-fiction and memoir. Yeah. A part of what you're saying, I think, is how do you avoid overcrafting, yeah. or presenting stereotypes or sort of Dickensian caricatures? Yeah. Um, that is about knowing when to sort of take a step back and to say, would somebody who knew this person recognize them? Give it to somebody to read. That's always a good thing. I keep saying that. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Um, but also think about autofiction. Would auto fiction be more appropriate to your purpose if what you're doing is, for instance, writing memoir as satire, as people do, you know. Yeah. Because there's this expression isn't the truth, is stranger than fiction. Yeah. And I did do a fictionalized version of my story where I ended up leaving a lot of things out because fiction demanded a much more neat narrative arc and less uh disturbing events on the page um and because my memoir it's called are we home yet i should say that for anybody who's interested um but it, it it's got uh, lots of quite um magnetic issues issues which people find quite disturbing uh, the sex industry um childhood adventures at boarding school mental health suicide there's a lot going on and in a fiction in a fictionalized form some of those things simply had to go, because they, uh, fiction required more breathing time around yeah. them. Um, so having written both, I would say, choose your form according to the artistic product that you would want to produce. And I would say that lots of people begin to write fic- uh, sorry, begin to write memoir and end up writing autobiographical fiction, uh, the classic first novel. It's yes. often a version of what we're talking about. Um, and, and when I started to get interest um, from agents and publishers in my story, um, it was suggested to me, would you like to fictionalise it?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: my purpose but I think because the, the readers thought of it as very exposing actually. Yeah. And it is very exposing. It's a very exposing form. Um I, I just made a conscious decision that I was simply going to reject shame and just yeah. crack on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, not a not a, a decision I've ever had cause to regret actually. But that it can be too much for some people. And yeah. also people worry about hurting the feelings of those people around them. The problem with the hurting of the feelings is that it also, it can lead to quite bland uh, prose yeah. As, as the writer seeks to hedge round sensitivities of those people close to them, but also sensitivities they project onto the reader. Yeah. So yeah. If, if, if you don't think this is for you, then consider auto-fiction or consider fiction. Um, but it shouldn't be a painful process, you know. It should yeah. be something that isn't um, too disturbing for the writer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm interested kind of to delve a little bit deeper into kind of the the slightly murky waters of ethics and honesty uh, versus protecting people and protecting the feelings of others. Um, I'm just wondering how you even begin to navigate honesty and truth. Whilst also kind of holding in mind that the truth to one person will be very different, or possibly could be very different to the truth of another person. Um, well, I think framing it as
2: as one's own truth is very useful. It's um, it's it, it's very useful to give your other characters, as I call them, but these, let's face it, are often family, friends, colleagues. Um, it's it's a good idea to, within the text, to give them some space to interpret what's going on yeah. so that the reader gets a different point of view within the text. And that serves as a reminder that this is one version of the truth. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting balancing act because... For some writers, it may be I'm trying to pick my words because I don't want to give real life examples because then i feel I feel that I would be um it, you know intruding on somebody's privacy if they ever listen to this and recognize themselves uh but I would say for some people, it is more honest for them to obscure say the identities of somebody that they may be going to accuse them of something yeah. but they haven't been charged or um, uh, formally tried or any of that process. Yeah. There's been no process gone on. That's a common problem, actually. Um, uh, changing the names of people that are still alive is fine, yeah, um, because you don't just have an ethical uh, problem; you have legal issues about yeah. invading other people's privacy. So you, you're, you're more than you can invade your own privacy. that as much as you want that's fine um but if somebody can recognize themselves from your book and feel that you are lying or doing it actually not even lying so much as doing it for your own gain yeah um, and that there is no public good in this there is no um defense really other than to entertain other people with fruity stories about them that's that's not okay actually in the law and most people are not going to sue but there are a couple of really high-profile cases um, uh, that I can think of around James Frey and A Million Little Pieces, his, his early book. Um, there's, uh, oh, I'm trying to think, the, her memoir was Ugly. I'm trying to think of the author's name. But that led to uh, a High Court case as well. Um, so the, the are, there are examples out there of people who will um go to the law and say that I'm, that I'm not going to let this stand so you you, you you've more than just your personal ethics at play you're, you're also bound by what you can and can't say legally about other people
0: it's quite an interesting uh type to walk mm. between um obviously crafting these characters who are real people who mm. are recognizable as mm. real people whilst also um not straying into kind of defamation and yeah. legal yeah, exactly. legal grounds,
2: yeah. yeah. And um, no, no publisher is going to want to take that on. No, of um, course. generally speaking, a lot of memoir are extremely personal for that reason; they're yeah. quite intense. And the other, the other sort of version of memoir which be- has become very popular is the personal story of overcoming hardship, yeah. and that's something that can be told from a very, very close first person point of view. Um, and, and that it's one, I mean, confessional is, it's something that's been around, you know, St. Bede. Uh, this is something that, that people, uh, a readership find compelling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm kind of interested as well in that, so in the course you talk about writing people who you can't ask questions to mm. and talk about writing, um, People who um, you might be distanced from, whether that's uh, estrangement or whether that's through um, uh, someone passing away in bereavement. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people, especially when they're possibly, especially when they're writing confessional memoir or when they're writing about something traumatic, might be in that boat. Um, I'm just interested in how you can start to tackle those people and make them feel full and vibrant characters and obviously reflect the huge impact that they've had on the life of the the memoirist, the person telling the story without um, kind of straying too far down that road into kind of caricature or into stereotype or or almost getting too caught up in um, the memory of that person.
2: Okay, so this is an art form, uh, but it's not therapy. So it's about um, the framing devices you use often. So you've got different voices at your disposal. Quite often a childhood um, perspective is useful here because children tend to remember the most striking physical feature, and uh, and quite instinctively will notice um, sensory input, so they'll notice um, I don't know a big chin, um, a, a high pitched voice. They'll they will notice the most striking elements. And one one thing t- you can do convincingly in a childhood voice is do that and not judge as well. So that using a childhood reflection and. Comparing that with an adult recollection, that can be quite useful because there are, what the reader will do is recognize what's not being said in the gaps between those two things the reader you can you can it, you can suggest to a reader what's important here um, uh, also dream states uh, drunken states. Yeah. States where the narrator's perception is necessarily limited and distorted, that's really useful as well. Um, and that, you know, you mentioned caricature, but those those sort of altered states can give you license for that kind of, for humour, caricature, for, for different voices. So what I would say is important there is framing. How are you framing this person? Um, if you're framing this as a, as an ogre from your childhood, by all means lean into that, but do sort of have a line or two at least where you're making it clear to the reader that the adult you sees this quite differently. Yeah. Whereas the childhood you might still, and, and let's face it, our childhood personas live within all of us still.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, that, that using our, um, a sort of bifocal lens can be really really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Would you ever suggest um giving a text to someone who might have been an adult at the time that you were a child to look through? Or is that kind of a bit of kind of getting too many cooks in a memory?
2: <laughs> uh, it's 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 very very difficult because you might you might it's what kind of input you want, really. Yeah. Um you might well end up with a whole other version of your life yeah. and one that you don't really want to listen to. This is this is because the the authenticity that you you mentioned earlier tends to come from a degree of myopia and a yeah. degree of you know the I, I there's a very funny scene on something I was watching last night. Where a female character, an adult female, she's about thirty, was get got picked up from the airport by her mother after some traumatic event, and she, her mother is so matter of fact, lets her get in the car, and this girl proceeds to have a sort of uh, a, a, a somewhere between a sort of hysterical breakdown and a, a panic attack, yeah, um, and her mother is completely silent. So you're thinking, what's going on here? And then suddenly a mother opens the car window and does an order, to, and it becomes obvious that she's just waiting to do a drive-in order at some sort of burger place. Um, and that reminded me very much of the process of doing memoir. By all means, give it to your mum. Yeah. <laughs> but you might find that she's not taking your story quite as seriously as you are. So, you know, it, it is what sort of input you want. As I say, I was doing a PhD, so I had quite detached readers. I had my supervisors. Yeah. Um, and that was extremely useful. I also had a couple of years of therapy while I was writing it, which was also incredibly useful because it meant that I didn't, I I wouldn't say it meant that I didn't get stuck, but it helped me not to become stuck in a moment. It helped me to move on because, um, I was paying.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and obviously when you're writing potentially, um, you're, you're kind of reliving potentially traumatic experiences, or um, you're kind of delving into the mind of possibly the person who's caused you to have those traumatic experiences and caused those traumatic memories. Um, I imagine. Well, if you, if you're a person who didn't have access to therapy or didn't have access to the the PhD, mm. um, just wondering if if you've got any other words of a, of advice or any kind of writer tips and tricks for being able to give yourself that distance and give yourself that detachment
2: um it's really difficult i would join a writing group um nobody has to know that you're you're writing memoir either the other thing you can do is change names and change genders of people yeah now that can really help you can change them back later um or you can leave it it's fine to obscure the identities of other people in your story yeah. Um, because what, uh, the, uh, the memoir is about you, you are the subject. Um, what I find most common, um, in the writers I work with is that they, um, they put themselves to one side. They're not focused enough on themselves in the story. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and that, that is, is almost the opposite question. It's how do you center your own story, and that's because a lot of us are brought up not to center our own stories. It's impolite to talk about yourself. Um, it's It's not the dumb thing to show off, for instance, or complain too much. Um, so with all those sensibilities in place, nobody wants to be bored by some demoning over eighty five thousand words. Um, but with all those sensibilities still in place, how do you you center yourself? Yeah. Um, I would say is is a more sort of pressing issue than how do you write the ogres that plague you. Because they will come really easily. They're yes. often the they're often the motivation. It it's the self and and, and and the self changes. So I finished my memoir um thirteen years ago now, and a lot has happened since then. And it feels when I look back and when I do readings now, it feels like a different person has written it. Yeah. I feel quite distanced again you know from that so so it will come but just just keep on trying don't be afraid to fictionalize don't be afraid to use other forms and and use other forms within the text some of the most beautiful ones i've read have been interweaved with poetry um with song lyrics with with form that gives access to the unconscious mind that can be really lovely um yeah. so yeah but, but look at it as not so much a setting down but as a crafting
0: yeah and and i'm really picking up on uh what you're saying about fictionalizing and and changing genders for the most part the the people who are writing memoirs and again you touch on this in in the course not celebrities they're not kind of big famous people they're not people who um we would necessarily know about until the memoir was written so they're not people who who you're going to be googling alongside the reading of the memoir yeah that's
2: true and and that gives you of course an extra layer of um responsibility if you like because you're trying to there are a lot of celebrity memoirs about um sports people loads of those um so and and also people that are quite big on social media yeah um but it, so they can assume a, a measure of acquaintance from the readers um but as as an everyday person um making your story compelling is another layer of uh, responsibility and again this is an art form start at the most interesting place yeah um and that's rarely i was born it's usually bang 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 um yeah uh, uh, you know
0: starting in the action yeah yeah um and I think it's really interesting in your course you speak quite a lot about the reader and we've spoken quite yeah. a lot about the reader over the course of this conversation. Um and I noticed one thing that um just caught my attention was the minimum requirements of each scene that you mentioned. So you mm. you're talking about grounding the reader in the where and the when and um really locating that reader Um, and that particularly struck out to me as someone who studied creative writing we um, were told a lot to let the reader um come to their own conclusions and to um dial back on the exposition and I'm not saying that you're suggesting exposition all the way um but just interesting for I think a lot of writers is how to balance those two things how do you balance the the grounding of the reader and the, um, getting that kind of depth of understanding so there's no confusion, whilst also not saying, well, it was a dark and stormy night on a Tuesday on the 30th, you know. Mm.
2: Um, well, the simplest way is to simply um, put the date at the top of the page yeah, um, and the location, use a, a, a faux diary form, or yeah. even use your real diaries. I mean, nobody's diaries are, are going to be as close to the marrow of life as when they're sort of 14 and trying to write poetry. So, so, you know, using that, using every form um, is really helpful, I think. Uh, But I would say in memoir, time and place is pretty important. You're trying to build relatability um, and uh, that, that nostalgia thing for the period. There's a reason usually why you're writing about that period. Share that with the reader, I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah. Fantastic. Um, and um, just finally, um, just ending on kind of nostalgia and ending on memory. Um, in one of our um, other online tutored non fiction courses, um, there is an exercise which evidences to, which, no, which serves to evidence the fallibility of memory. Um, and in this exercise, uh, the tutor asks the students to Read a passage from a book that they know well, possibly a favourite book, could be fact or fiction, um, and then cover it up and try and write it out word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, and the context of this exercise was really to um, talk about kind of the importance of recording interviews and not trying to remember things verbatim that you want to record later. Um, obviously, with memoir, a lot of the uh, conversations that you might want to be recounting you're not going to be recording live in the moment because you don't know that you're going to be um referring back to them in years or possibly decades time um and just kind of interested to know how you went about kind of accessing those memories how you how you navigate the truthfulness and the honesty of the, of the memory in the moment versus what might have actually happened um, and just the complication around memory and its flaws. Um, well,
2: I mean, we've all got sort of key moments in life that we know happened. Yeah. You know, you went to school, you know, you graduated, you know, you got married, you know, you know that we have got key moments and other people are likely to be present. So there are ways that you can go back and just say to me, I interviewed my mom. I formally interviewed her. Like I sat down with a tape recorder, Um, but she didn't need a lot of encouragement. She would just talk right off the bat. It was easy. Um, So, and I think that's fine. Again, I'd go back to considering if you're, if you're trying to remember something and you don't know if you were right and it's too disturbing, too distant or simply nobody else was present, tell the reader that. Yeah, If it's interesting enough, the reader won't care. Um, Although, having said that, I was at the launch of a memoir once when somebody walked out um, furious, an older gentleman saying, how can you possibly know what your mother said when you were eight years old? Um, And I don't think he'd quite got the difference between newspaper reportage, say, and memoir. Again, it's an art form. But it's about being honest. It's about saying this was too early too traumatic or too late in the day for me to be able to be distinct. But what I guess was there, there were probably that and this would have been there. And you can, you can hedge the language a bit so that your, your reader knows that. And, and again, you know, your certainty about things like a wedding or a christening or that certainty those, because you've relived those memories through photographs and through discussing them with other people, that certainty and that detail will come through. Yeah. So a measure of trust as well, I think. Yeah. And also giving it to a beta reader. I'll say it again. Yeah,
0: yeah. Trusting. trust. trust I think yourself. it's really
2: important to ask other people to read it though, because yeah. it is it's a very exposing thing to do. And the more people read your work, the more inured you'll get to the sense of shame you you've got about having to gone on about yourself for <laughs> tens of thousands of words. <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, yes. I, I can't <laughs> think of anything more terrifying than have someone reading my, my diary, effectively. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, yes, thank you, Katie. That was really, really brilliant and really fascinating. Um, before we go, I just wondered if you had any other kind of final tips, tricks, any last gems of advice that you wanted to share um, or anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, well, we've, spoke
2: to, we've spoken a lot about ethics and truth and um, a commitment to the facts and what did we do about fallible memory. And I, I want to say, really, don't get too hooked up on form. The important thing is to write. I'm a novelist now because yeah. I'm, I'm editing my first novel. Um, and I found that the process has been strikingly similar yeah. to writing a memoir. The important thing is to write. You can decide what it is later. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would say.
0: Fantastic. Thank Just you so write. much. <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> Just write. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you very much. Thank Not you. At all. A big thank you to Katie and Vicky for their time you can sign up to Katie's self-paced online course at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash academy. There's also dozens, if not hundreds more resources for you to explore on the NCW Academy website, from online tutored courses to free packages of practical advice, reading lists and writing exercises. If you have questions or you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at Writer's Centre on Twitter and Instagram, and we're on Facebook. And don't forget to sign up to our newsletter at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. As a UK registered charity, we rely on the generosity of our supporters to make our work possible. You can make a donation today over on the website by going to the Support Us page. Please do subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review because it helps other people to find us. Thanks again. Keep writing and I'll catch you on the next episode.